0: This morning on Veterans Day weekend we are talking this morning about being a good soldier which would make sense but we don't want to get lost in the the comparison of talking about being a veteran of the United States military versus being a veteran in the army of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You see, Paul is writing to his young protege Timothy in the book of Second Timothy. When we open up, we'll be in Second Timothy chapter 2, so you can go ahead and open there. But Paul is writing to Timothy, and he often, as he normally does, uses uh, illustrations and verbiage that the people who is his audience will relate to. If you're familiar with Paul's writings and his other letters, you know that he often uses... Uh, the the idea of a soldier as as he gave us the armor of God as he looked at a Roman soldier and wrote it down. He gives us t- things about athletes when he tells tells us that we are going to press toward the mark. We are going to run and not grow weary. We're going to do these things by striving for what lay, lies ahead. He gives athletes some verbiage as well. And then in all of his letters, if the number if you have number one number one. Uh, theme of Paul's writing, it is for the growth of God's people. It is discipleship. If you read it throughout uh, all of Paul's writings, you'll learn that he is all about discipling those who are reading his letters. Well, Timothy is one of those. Timothy is a young preacher boy that that Paul has taken under his wing, and he's had the opportunity to disciple, and Timothy is serving as a pastor, and, and Paul is now writing to encourage him as he continues to move forward in what would get God have him to do. So he begins in verse 1 of chapter 2, Paul writing to Timothy, he says, You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. He says that a follower of God right off the bat has to recognize the fact that our strength comes from God's grace. Not only are we saved by grace through faith, Not only does our justification happen because God chooses that we should be a a follower of his, not only does God call us through his Holy Spirit and give us the grace when we are undeserving of anything like that, he reminds uh, Timothy that he is strengthened in the day-to-day. He is strengthened daily through God's grace. Those days when you get up out of bed and you just don't know how you're going to move forward today. God's grace will give you strength. Those things going on in your life that seem ongoing, it's not just a moment in time that's a struggle. You have had weeks or months or years of the same struggle on and on and on. God's grace will move you forward. God's grace will give you strength. As a follower of Jesus Christ, our strength for the day-to-day living comes from the grace of God. Because though we don't have ways to figure out within ourselves a given situation, God will show us his way. If you remember, we don't have it on the screen, but in 2 Corinthians, uh, Paul is basically writing and complaining that he has asked God three times to remove a thorn that was in his flesh. Scholars don't know what that thorn was. We don't know for sure whether it was an ailment that was an illness of some sort. We do know that he, was, he had failing eyesight, so maybe it was that. I've, I've recently come into uh, understanding some believe that his, his thorn were his memories— the fact that he had persecuted the church of Christ, the fact that he had stood witness for followers of Jesus Christ to be stoned and killed. Perhaps his thorn in the flesh was him praying that God remove those memories of where he played a part in the persecution of God's church, but God wouldn't do it. Jesus' answer to Paul is the same answer we have for you today. On those days when you just don't know how you can move forward one more step, Jesus says, my grace is sufficient for you. Because we can't get caught up in the right now. Right now is difficult. But we have to be kingdom-minded, knowing that going beyond today, we are, as Paul has said in other places, moving forward to a goal that is in the everlasting. Today is temporal. One day will be eternal, and we will be able to move forward. God's grace is is strengthening us. A follower of Jesus understands that they are strengthened only by God's grace. Everything else falls short. But look at verse 2. It says and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also a follower of Jesus also called a Christian also called a disciple of Jesus Christ and we've lost the full meaning of what it means when we say we are a disciple of Jesus Christ the idea carries with it a a pupil and a teacher relationship. One is to do the learning, one is to do the teaching, the one is the master teaching his his student and for the purpose of carrying on the master's work. We are not simply to to learn knowledge about God so that when Jeopardy has a Bible category we can run it and feel good about ourselves. We're supposed to learn this knowledge of God for the purpose of teaching others. In fact, it, our second point today is we need to be followers of Jesus who pay it forward. Pay what forward, Keenan? We are to keep others and their needs in the forefront of our minds. They are not to be secondary. Jesus' teaching throughout the Sermon on the Mount is all about what we do in our relationship with others. Are we treating their needs more important than our own? Are we paying forward that grace that we are strengthened with? Are we paying it forward to others who need a little grace themselves? Or are we holding them in judgment in ways that we never would want to be held ourselves? We pay it forward. But we also have to pay forward, if you read the verse again in verse 2, he says that you're going to teach entrusted men, faithful men, the things that I have taught you. For what purpose? You see, Paul knows that his death is drawing close. He has invested in Timothy and others like Luke and others like like Silas. He has spent time discipling them and teaching them for the purpose of when he is gone, they can continue his work as he continued the work of Jesus. It's all about finishing the work of the teacher. We are to do the same thing. What he says to Timothy, we are to do as well. We are to teach the next generation. We are to teach not only our children, but just the next generation of young believers. There are are older, uh, more seasoned disciples of Jesus Christ in our congregation who ought to be teaching younger the the up-and-coming generation of Christ's followers. We are to teach them the things so they won't be lost. We teach them in our home. You say, well, Kenan, what are we teaching them? Well, the disciples knew when Jesus told them in Matthew 28 to go and make disciples, teaching them everything that he had commanded. They knew what he commanded because they were there to hear it. We don't have the privilege of walking with Jesus on a daily basis, physically on this earth, but we walk with Him spiritually every day, emboldened by His Holy Spirit, learning what His commands were by reading them in God's Word. Before you can disciple someone else, before you can make a new follower of Jesus, you have to be a discipled follower yourself. So you read his word, you study his word for the purpose of being able to entrust it to someone else who will then entrust it to someone else and then we will have generation after generation. Paul taught Timothy. Timothy was to teach others and eventually it got taught all the way down through the generations till someone taught it to you. Will these things that Jesus taught end with your line? Or will we continue to pay it forward to someone else? In verse 3, Paul takes his illustration in a different direction. He, said, he says, Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. So he's talked about the followers. He's talked about Timothy being a follower of Jesus, and now he's referring to him as a soldier. It's Veterans Day weekend. We are honoring those who have served our country, who have served in the military, but I want to make sure that we who are serving in the army of Jesus Christ are willing to share in the suffering of others. You say, what does that mean? It means as a good soldier, you're not going to cut, bait, and run. It's going to mean when things get a little tough that you're still going to stand for Jesus no matter what the cost. It means when someone around you has a need in our suffering, you're going to do what you can to help meet that need. You're going to share in the suffering. You're not going to do run from the trouble. I saw on Facebook not long ago, someone had said, "I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me." And someone responded, "You won't even go to church when it rains." But wow, I couldn't get away saying that. I'm a minister, but you all can get away with saying it. And that was straightforward. One of my favorite movies of all time, the one, one of them that when um, I'm skipping through the channels, I find it's on, I'm going to stop and watch it, is Tom Cruise and A Few Good Men. And in that movie... There's a moment where Tom Cruise and his, his partners as lawyers are interviewing their defendants. And the one, the one corporal says that they have found a code in the Marines they want to live by. And that code is unit, core, God, and country. The unit comes First. The Corps, the Marine Corps as a whole, comes after that. They put God third on the list, and then the country as a whole after that. Brothers and sisters, we are serving in the army of God. And if we were to follow such such a code here in our church, we would make sure that we were walking alongside of each other better than we do today. We would put the needs of each other ahead of any need that we have on our own. You see, we put others first. We are in this army of God. We are, in, we are soldiers in his army, and we are to share in the suffering with one another, not to turn away from them, not to run from them, not to desert them in their time of need. He goes on in this soldier discussion in verse 4. He said, No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits, since his aim is to please the one Who enlisted him? Well, in our army, army of the Lord, God the Father, through Jesus Christ, has enlisted you. So we are to be about his mission, what he would have us to do. And according to verse 4, that means we are to not be distracted. We are not to be distracted by a world that's turned upside down around us. Just because we can't answer all the things that are going on around us, we can't wash our hands of what we're doing, it kind of ties in with, with sharing and suffering of one another. We won't be distracted from the mission God has for us. We won't even be distracted by things that seem good rather than going after the things that God has for us to do. Your mission is to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Your mission as mentioned earlier, is to make sure you entrust what you have been taught with someone else. You are to make disciples, not of yourself. Have you ever wondered how long would it take if you were to teach someone else to be you? Think about that. If you pulled someone alongside of you and said, I'm going to train you, to handle every situation the way I handle it, to make all the plans the way I would plan it, to do everything the way I would do them, how long would it take to teach someone to be you? Jesus walked with his disciples for three years every day, teaching them to be him. And it still wasn't long enough. Somewhere, if you were supposed to be like him, If you are supposed to look more like him than you are like yourself, you can't get distracted by the things around us and think that coming to church on a Sunday morning is enough. That coming to Sunday school, if you're super spiritual and, and you do two things on Sunday, is not enough. You have got to be in your word teaching every day, learning every day to be more like Jesus. And Paul's going to tell us why in just a little bit. Verse 5, he changes his illustration again. And he says, An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. A follower, a soldier, an athlete must follow God's rules. In order to succeed, we must do it God's way. You say, Kenan, I've been a follower of Jesus all my life, it seems like, and just lately it seems like my prayers are bouncing off the ceiling. It feels like he's a million miles away. It feels like there are things that I ask of him that he has no idea that I even said it. My relationship with him is not what it needs to be or what I want it to be. Can I speak honestly to you this morning? If there's something between you and God, if your relationship is not what it ought to be, according to what Paul is saying here, you have to compete by his rules. You say, well, Kenan, I thought we couldn't earn our salvation. You cannot. This isn't about earning your salvation. This is about after you are a follower of Jesus Christ, receiving blessings from him, receiving wisdom and direction from him, because you are living life according to his plan. If you want God's blessings on your life, you have to do it his way. And Can I remind you, he says he, that they have to compete according to the rules. We just finished the Olympics in the summer. I remember there was one 100-meter uh, dash, whatever, you, is it a dash anymore? 100-meter. Anyway, the female for the United States who was going to run the 100 meters Had had all the uh, people looking to her as to bring home the gold, right before the Olympics was disqualified because in her trials she had broken the rules. I'm one of those who want my response. I want the reward. I want what is uh, the, what I've worked for. I want it right now. I have trouble waiting till the end of whatever I'm working toward. I look at the the calendar and I think, by Christmas I would like to be down 40 pounds. Anybody with me? Come on. But you know there's no shortcuts. There's no magic pill. There's no secret ingredient that's going to make the fat around my middle just roll off. And there is no shortcuts in being a follower of Jesus Christ. There's no shortcuts on becoming to be more like him. I've often said, I wish at the moment of justification, at that moment where you prayed for forgiveness and you surrendered your life to follow him, I wish there was a magical spiritual switch Jesus would flip. And suddenly, you look like him, you talk like him, you behave like him, you act like him, you think like him. But it doesn't work that way. As free people, we make the decision on how much we follow His rules. We make the decision on how much we study His principles. We make the plans on what we are going to do to learn more. But there are no shortcuts. In fact, in verse 6, he says, It is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. So he so far has used follower, soldier athlete, and now farmer, people in this room, we have, we live in an agriculture-rich area. I love watching the cotton be harvested. I love watching the combines go through and cut the soybeans, and I love watching the corn, the tall corn, get stripped down to bare nothing because the combine went through. There's something very satisfying about seeing that strip of nothing after they're done. The farmer works hard and it should only make sense that the farmer who's working so hard should receive the first share of the crops the crops is the harvest the crops is the reward at the end of all the hard work we ha- but we have to keep in mind our reward is not at the end of the week our reward is not at the end of the month our reward is in eternity And we must be kingdom-minded to know that God has a plan. And if we keep working, just as a good harvest is found at the end of a hard farming, our blessings are assured even more. Because a farmer is not responsible for and cannot control the weather. He can't control what what nature does to help his crop to grow. All he can do is to keep farming, keep farming, keep farming. He's going to lay the seed. He's going to plow the fields. He's going to fertilize it. He's going to water it. He's going to do all he can to help the harvest. As farmers in the fields of our Lord, we are to keep sharing. We are to keep learning. We are to keep trusting. We are not responsible for how much is harvested at the end. We are just responsible to do the work. So I encourage you, your reward is coming. You can't earn salvation, but you can earn rewards that will be laid up for you in heaven because of the work you've done. The follower, the soldier, the athlete, the farmer are blessed with an abundant harvest. But also, according to verse 7, he says, Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. He didn't say the Lord will give you knowledge. That's inferred. But there's a difference between having the facts in your mind... Versus understanding what those facts mean. What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? What does it mean to be someone who goes after him? What does it mean that blood must be spilled for salvation? What does it mean that Jesus died and rose from the dead? It's one thing to know that he did, but it's something else to know what that means. Are we studying to show ourselves approved? A follower, a soldier, an athlete, a farmer will receive wisdom when they ask for it. But how do we get it? How do we get this wisdom? Because, you know, wisdom is different than knowledge. Wisdom is taking the knowledge we have and applying it to our lives in the way it should be applied you can have, If you don't have the wisdom of God, if you don't have the Holy Spirit giving you wisdom, then you are going to make secular fleshly decisions with the knowledge you have. We all have the same knowledge about life. We all know life's hard. We all know that we need shelter. We all know we need food. We all know we want to be accepted. But how we go about getting these things is determined by where our wisdom, where that application of that knowledge comes from in our lives. John 14 26 says the helper the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you the Holy Spirit will give you wisdom and understanding the Holy Spirit will direct you it's not your conscience if you're a follower of Jesus you're not following your gut you're not following your heart which Jeremiah says is evil beyond all things you are following the direction of God himself through the power of his Holy Spirit. He will give you wisdom. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16, Paul says, For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. We often stress the heart. You have to ask Jesus in your heart. It's what's going on in your heart, the way you feel about things. And we often overlook the mind. But the way we act... The attitudes we have, the things we do to other people, all begins in our thought processes. What are you thinking about? What are your thoughts on that subject? Thinking moves to the way you feel. And Jesus is reminding us through Paul that we have to have his mind in us. You're supposed to think like he would think. When you think the way he would think, you will now feel the way he would feel. And when you feel and think the way he does, now you're going to do the things he would have you do. It all begins with having the mind of Christ. You say, well, Kenan, I'm pretty intelligent, but I tend to make bad decisions. You know, we've all known people who are so smart, they don't even know how to cross the street on their own. So it's not about intelligence. I have dear friends in the ministry who, who put themselves, they talk down about themselves because in, in our ministry circles, they didn't go to seminary. They didn't go to Bible college. And they feel lesser than. Can I tell you some of the wisest people I've ever known in my life never attended a college or a seminary or a Bible college. Some of the wisest people I know have a high school education. The difference is they are going hard after Jesus, and the Holy Spirit is giving them the wisdom. In fact, James 1, 5 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. You see, in our study, followers need wisdom, soldiers need wisdom, athletes need wisdom, and farmers need wisdom. You see it's more than just knowledge. Applying that knowledge in a wise way to our lives is what separates the believer, the follower of Jesus, the soldier in the army of the Lord, from the rest of the world. So how does this then relate to Veterans Day? How do we move from talking about what Paul has said to Timothy in 2 Timothy to an to a illustration of Veterans Day. We're going to start with a video.
1: It was so hot outside and he hadn't had a nap. It seemed like the bus was never going to come. And then this old man walked up. The hat he was wearing stood out to me. I remember that. My son was not giving it. It seemed to bother the man. He looked over at me and said, Looks like you got a real precious one there. I thanked him and looked down the street, hoping to see the bus coming. Honestly, I was probably just embarrassed by the way my son was acting, but before I knew it, he was off on his way. I couldn't help it. I felt compelled to say it. So I just called after him. Sir? Sir? And he turned around. I said, I just wanted to say, thank you for your service. And I'll never forget this moment. He smiled real wide at me like he'd known me my whole life. Gently tipped his hat and said, You're very welcome. You are worth it.
0: Earth have a different perspective of others than many of us have. For whatever reason, whether it was the way they were raised or whether it was the benefits they had seen or the, the hardships they grew up through, they understood that someone had to go, that someone has to serve. And they understand from their perspective that the people they are serving for, the sacrifices they are making, not only for their immediate family members, but also for those people they have never met who are part of their country. Their answer to you is, when you ask, why would you do that? Their answer is, you were worth it. But that's where our illustration of what Jesus did for us parts ways. Because friends, let me remind you, no matter how you're raised, no matter how blessed you feel you were as a child, no matter what you have to offer, according to the holiness of God, we're not worth it. According to the holiness of God, when it comes to our salvation, a penalty, a death, must occur. For our unrighteousness to be redeemed. Paul reminds us in Romans that God demonstrated his love for us and that while we were yet sinners, not because we had cleaned ourselves up, not because there was some sort of uh, good thing in our future, not because we would one day earn it, but while we were yet sinners... Jesus died for us. Veterans have died for us. Service members have died for our country. They have shed their blood so that we can stand in a room like this and unashamedly and blatantly share the gospel of Jesus Christ. But this morning, please be sure that you are aware that there was nothing you could do to save yourself. And he died for you anyway. This morning I encourage you, because a veteran believed you were worth him sacrificing or her sacrificing, because a veteran believed our country's ideals were worth it, they believed you were worth it, so please think of veteran. But beyond that, remember what Jesus did for you to allow you to be a follower, a soldier, an athlete, a farmer in his field. Thank him for what he did for you when you didn't deserve it. We serve him out of gratitude because of what he did for us. Would you all bow your heads with me this morning? This morning we're coming to a close. This altar is going to be open. There are going to be ministers down front. If you need to become a follower of Jesus, if you say in your heart you know there's never been a time that you have actually surrendered your life to him as Lord. There's never been a time that you've said, you are the boss of my life. That sufficient grace we talked about is available to you today. I encourage you to come, take a minister by the hand, and tell them simply, I need Jesus. And they'll take it from there. Maybe God has spoken to you about being a follower, about being a soldier in his army. Maybe you're an athlete. Uh, The athletic things come to mind better. Maybe you are a farmer, and you understand the work and the toil that is there. Somewhere in here, God has spoken to you. One of these must have spoken to you. And God has said... I need more from you. God has said, remember what I did and serve me accordingly. I encourage you to do business with him this morning. It's between you and the Lord. No one is going to look at you if you come to this altar and think you are failing in some area of your life. If you come to the altar, our thoughts will be, praise Jesus, this person is doing business with God. Nothing to be ashamed of, to come to the altar to pray for his, his will in your life. Lord, I thank you so much for the time to be here. I pray that you will speak to every heart individually. We are here corporately to worship you, Lord, but you do your business on a one-on-one version. I pray that you will speak to all the hearts. If there's anyone here who doesn't know you, anyone watching online who doesn't have a relationship with you, I pray today will be the day they say, I want to follow Jesus. I surrender my life to him. Please forgive me of my sins. Lord, if there's those here who are, who are feeling your tug of the Holy Spirit to give more to you, to study more, to learn more, so that they can entrust it and pass it on to someone else. Lord, we all have more to learn there. I pray we will all be faithful to you today. It's in your name we pray.